is. Okay, so week two of the Baby Step series. What are you guys thinking about this so far? Um, I've been hearing some, some pretty good feedback that even from people who have been doing this for a while, they're in the second program, um, saying that it's good to have the refresh. What re is it refresh, refresh, whatever. Um, but what are you guys thinking about this Baby Step series? I'm digging it so far. Tell me in the chat. Today we are focusing on <clears throat> carbs. So I think carbs get just given such a bad rap and I've done, I've done keto. I've been a type one diabetic looking at how many grams of carb are in something for most of my life, you know? So I'm really excited to dive into this topic because I'm hoping it gives a lot more clarity. And I think rather than just making it that carbs are bad, understanding what they do to us and the effects they have, and then being able to decide for ourselves how to apply that. I think that's a lot more powerful and long lasting. So I think I am really pumped to give you the Michelle version of the science behind this. Okay, so carbs. Carbs are not the enemy. Let's just start right there. First of all, we need carbs to even utilize our thyroid hormone. So we can be producing an appropriate amount of thyroid hormone. Your panels could come back great, your lab works fine, but you still could have some, some symptoms because you're not utilizing, unless they're doing very thorough tests, which usually isn't the case, you're not really utilizing that thyroid hormone the best you can. So it's, it's you know twofold how we utilize that. Um, and carbs help us utilize and convert it. So that's the first thing. Second thing is that it's actually anti-inflammatory if it's the appropriate amount for what it is that you need. So um, <clears throat> when you have prolonged, and I'm sorry, I'm not as gross as I was last week, but I'm gonna be still making some respiratory sounds probably throughout this whole thing. But um, when, you know, insulin, when you have prolonged insulin resistance, let's say, or you have higher blood sugars, more spikes, ups and downs in your blood sugars, it causes inflammation. Having the appropriate amount of insulin management, and I'll explain why, if, for those of you who don't know how insulin ties into this, having the appropriate insulin management actually helps balance out your inflammation. Now, how do we release insulin? We release insulin when we eat carbohydrates. Our, and essentially everything has carbs, first of all. Like even meat, there's no way for you to actually like for my diabetics in here, it's, you can't really adjust for that. You can't take medicine for that, but it's still, it still contains some form of carbohydrate once everything is broken down to the point where it causes an insulin effect. So that being said, we want to, it's not when you're cutting out carbs, the, the magic behind it, it all is focusing on insulin on the hormone we release that deals with the carbohydrates. So rather than people just thinking that all carbs are bad and screw it, I'll cut it out. Yeah, you know why that works for a lot of people and not for others? Because the same people who would eat less and move more and see results are gonna be seeing results from eating less. They're eating less carbohydrates. I mean, in general, their bodies just kind of work that way. Ours do not. And if you do see, tell me if you've been on, on this side of the coin where maybe low carb or keto or whatever really did great things for you at first. And for some reason you just fell off. It's not just you falling off. It's like, there's a whole reason behind it. Our body, you know, our, our body wants to protect us. Doesn't care about us being, you know, svelte in a bikini. Cares about us being alive in a bikini. So 
Um, let before I get off track. Insulin. Insulin affects the reason we release insulin for carbs is because it's it's supposed to convert the uh, food that we're eating, the carbohydrates we're eating, into energy for our cells to utilize. Now, one, we're not really physically active all that much. You know, just in general, you have a work week. You know, or I mean. If you're running around during your job or at home after kids or whatever it is, you can be physically active. I don't mean this for everyone, but generally not all of us are really working out a whole ton. So that the amount that you need for your energy is lower. So that's the first thing. It also affects how we store um, and release fat. So if we become, if we're releasing too much insulin over time, you tend to end up having issues with fat storage. Accumulation, as well as how hard it is to release it, that that's what puts us on this like war path of feeling like we could barely eat and still not lose weight. It's once you kind of get into that cycle of of having wonky insulin usage, um, not usage, what's the word, utilization. That's when that kind of becomes a uh, like a sand pit. Okay, so uh, <clears throat> now. So far, questions so far. I just rattled off a whole bunch of stuff about insulin at you. So while this recording will be available and you can go back and, and take notes, so far, do, are you guys following me? Any questions, anything you need uh, clarifying? Thumbs up. Cool. Following. Okay. Awesome. So um, <clears throat> now insulin, let's talk insulin resistance and let's talk blood sugars. Now insulin resistance is super common with PCOS and it's super common as well. You can actually become insulin resistant if something say like Hashimoto's ends up causing you to gain a lot of weight rapidly. It's not uncommon that you can enter into the territory of insulin resistance really fast, especially because you're so wonked out, right? You're so exhausted and fatigued. What are the easiest to find filling, satisfying foods? Carbs. So it ends up being some vicious cycle. So when we see a lot of uh, insulin resistance with hormonal disorders and metabolic disorders, and it becomes a metabolic disorder in and of itself. So that's the first thing. Insulin resistance is when your body starts to think that it just ongoing, going forward, needs to release more insulin than is necessary. So it, 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 do, it puts it right into, you know, utilize what you need to for your cells. And then all the rest of that turns into fat and gets stored. And when you're insulin resistant and it's every time you're eating, you know, your body's measure of how much insulin to release for the carbs that you've eaten is all haywire, you end up getting too much. And then again, more fat storage. So you start metabolizing things differently. Now, this is a big cycle because it also causes a lot of fatigue. And with that comes, <clears throat> sorry, hold on. Everybody pray I have a voice for the next Zoom, okay? <laughs> um, but when you have a lot of fatigue, then physical activity decreases naturally, you know, you know, like you're exhausted. You can barely, you got to get your bills paid and that takes up all your energy. So what happens is we really, we reduce muscle mass. And when you reduce muscle mass, you become even more insulin resistant. So it kind of becomes this big cycle, right? Now let's talk blood sugars. 
a lot of times if you're, when you're adjusting, I want to say this, maybe I'll save this for after we talk about methods on how to taper this, okay? But first, that's the more functional part of it, okay? Now, how do we, how do you guys feel about carby foods? Do you feel shame in regards to carbs? Do you have special ones, you know, like favorite carbs over others? Do you, do you feel emotionally connected to them and it's scary to think about getting rid of it? Be honest, what are your thoughts on carbs? Has it been the enemy for a long time? What are your thoughts on carbs? Tell me in the chat. Worry, guilt, shame, and then restricting so much it becomes like something you want more. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Guilty that I love them, right? Like almost as if we're not allowed to right? Like how dare, how dare you prefer, prefer foods that make you retain weight? Not that they taste the same as they would to someone who doesn't have a metabolic disorder and you have just as much of a right to like them, right? Love carbs. Potatoes are my favorite. Yes. Oh my God. Potatoes are the best and there's no replacing a potato. You know, there's some that can get, can scratch the itch a little bit, but a potato is a potato. I love it. I could live on them. Um, I feel like current diet culture has made it so we're guilty if we have them. Absolutely. They're easy and quick, but I always have to remember to include protein with them. We're going to get to that. Take my little diabetic tricks out of my hat. You know, um, I struggle with my cravings when I don't feel good. All I want is carbs. Yeah. My, my sick food is French fries. When, when I'm not feeling well, all I want, well, French fries and like tomato salad. <laughs> such, I'm such a weirdo and oddly seafood. I won't ever eat it because I know I'll get sick, but I'll crave it. Anyway, I digress. Um, I love carbs, but I have an inner dialogue that thinks they're bad. I do know better, but it's hard to break from chronic dieting and keto. And I am potato obsessed. Okay, so carbs are a beloved thing, right? Now, the problem becomes that, and I hate when, when, like, when clients come to me at first, they're like, I'm not eating healthy. And I hate that diet culture has made us just have this overall idea of what, what the hell is healthy with all of the different things we got to watch out for and things that are bad and this, that, what the hell is healthy and not healthy anymore. Even like, do we know it's so convoluted? It's out of, it's like, should we just not eat? Should we go to ice? Should that be our alternative? You know? So not all carbs are bad. Not all food is bad. There is no bad food. There are certain ingredients that have a certain effect, right? You were to go out in the woods and eat a berry and that berry gives you the shits. You have the shits as a result of eating the berry, right? So, but, so there's foods that you eat that affect you in certain ways and things like that. And then there's foods that you like that don't have to have that effect on you that exist as well. And it's up to us to have the discretion to pick which one we include and when. Because they can all be delicious, but they all have, you know, a place and a power that like someone mentioned before, if you over restrict, like Chelsea mentioned before, if you over restrict, you get to a point of wanting it that much more, a hundred percent. And it's not just because we're on discipline, it's human nature. It's everyone, everyone think to everyone, you know, right. I want you to pick three people at least that, you know, that have lost a tremendous amount of weight and have managed to keep it all off without yo-yoing 
for at least three to five years now. How many people, how many of the, out of the three, do you guys know anyone in your no three that have lost that weight, kept it off for years now, if it was a tremendous amount of weight? You we're very hard pressed to find anybody that that's the case about. And that doesn't have to do with hormonal issues. That's people who can do the restrictions shit and still lose weight, unlike us, you know, and even they don't maintain long-term drastic weight loss. There, it, it isn't, we have to stop thinking it's our behavior and our discipline or lack thereof and start kind of working with our human nature to just have these options. This, the, you know, we make the choice on what we eat. And sometimes we'll include the stuff and we know the effect from it. And sometimes we'll include stuff that doesn't affect us and we love it and it tastes great. Finding what those foods are is the work. Okay. So, but all three eat cups of celery for lunch and nothing else. And that will fade. That will, unless every generation of people before them had the same body type, the same metabolism, because that does happen. Right. But Aside from that, like if they've lost all that weight and they still maintain it by eating very little, that fades, that fades. <clears throat> Before I get too off track, I forgot to say this on the calorie baby step one last week. I'm so mad, but the hypothalamus, those, some of you have heard this from me before we've gone over this, but this is my favorite thing to teach. So the hypothalamus is a, a little gland in our brain that is like the control tower for all of our, the rest of our endocrine system. So all our hormones, our glands that produce hormones, the organs that do that, you know, all that it has, it's like the control center and your body will tell your hypothalamus what it needs. And your hypothalamus will realize what it needs. It'll send the message to whatever has to produce whatever is needed. And that's how it gets done. And then once your body has, is, you know, received sufficient amounts of it, it'll tell the hypothalamus, the hypothalamus will cue it to stop. So the, the goal of the hypothalamus is to have a baseline, a baseline of survival, of health, optimal health and survivability, whatever for us. It's to keep us consistent and safe. So it regulates temperature, metabolism, all of this stuff is regulated because hormones regulate everything about us. So when people, and I'm just going to use people who don't have a metabolic issue, but let's say generally people lose weight drastically, or they do something really, really strenuous, they may outpace their hypothalamus. So what happens is they lose the weight, they get to that point and the hypothalamus one day wakes up and goes, holy shit, everything is going wrong. They've lost all this weight. They're not eating the same. They don't have the same appetite, the same time of day they're eating. Everything's wrong. We got to get back to the baseline. So it is literally your, your hypothalamus job. It thinks that something has gone terribly wrong and it will chemically induce you getting back to what it deems as a safe base point baseline. So what do y'all think of that? <laughs> because that is one of my favorite, favorite things. That is what led to me being like, okay, Roger that. I am so done wasting time spinning my wheels and thinking it's not working because if it's going to be slow anyway, why does it got to be so hard? If anything, it's better. I mean, is anybody's mind like by that notion that we have a mechanism built in that cares about us surviving to the point where if we try to do something extreme, even if it yields results, it's not for health and it's not permanent. Our body will chemically make us return to where we were at. So that being said, the way we do this is becoming okay with going slow. 
And it's, it sounds like easy to some, but sometimes that's a harder approach. How many of you guys have been caught up in the, the momentum, the, the, the passion and the momentum of trying something new? And it seems like in the beginning, when you make this all or nothing decision, even a difficult lifestyle seems so much easier. It's harder to go slow. It's harder to make something permanent. But if you want permanent results, your measure's got to be permanent. So instead of just, you know, rushing and lying to ourselves and saying that that's going to be the case, it goes slow. So this is going to make a lot of sense with how I tell my clients to reduce their carbs. So because we don't want anybody here to go keto or have to go so low, and because I think macros are bullshit, and unless someone is a type one diabetic that literally has to calculate to the gram how much carbs are in something, I don't think that your average person really needs to have a macro cap. Granted, there's going to be a difference between, you know, like 20 grams or you know, 30 grams, like stuff like that. Of course, it's going to matter, and but it depends on what it is that you're eating. You're not a diabetic. Your body's going to round that shit out and you'll be okay. But there, there's a lot of other things to change. So that's the first thing. Keep that in mind. If you feel like it's too easy and you feel almost like nervous by the lack of structure behind not having a macro, if we work on the what and we work on the how, oh, I was, I was like, how? <clears throat> we work on the what and we work on the how, you'll get there. What's the point of needing the cap? Psychologically, it makes us fail longer because what does it matter if you're five or 10 gram, <clears throat> grams off from day to day, okay? So here's the way, here's the ways to mitigate the release of insulin. Okay. And then we'll get into how we cut back on the carbs for that insulin. So first, someone mentioned it before, add protein. Whenever you're eating anything with carbs, add protein to it because it takes what would be easy for your body to digest, which would just be carbs by itself. You'd get a quick burst of insulin and be done. And we don't want that, right? We want it nice and we don't want a whole lot of insulin all at once if we're trying to fight insulin resistance. So we want it nice and slow and steady. Adding protein to whatever you're eating with carbs, because your body has to break down that protein slower, it consists, it kind of drags out that insulin delivery and it makes it more like time released, let's say. Second week, uh, second week, second thing you can do is um, look for lower glycemic carb options. I'm going to tell you what the glycemic index is, but just telling you ahead of time, I don't remember this stuff offhand. Like, I mean, generally with fruit, I know by now what's higher or lower glycemic, but I still have to refer to Google on certain things. And I do often just to make sure. So I don't have any, I'm going to rattle off to you, but I do recommend looking into this once I explain what the glycemic index is for yourself. So you can keep some, some ideas of foods you want to, you know, keep around your house, but the glycemic index is, is essentially a measure of how your body responds with insulin. So if something is, and it comes from the term glycemia, you know, if you have hypoglycemia or hyperglycemia, um, it has to do with the way you are glycemically affected by your insulin. So high glycemic, high impact on insulin levels, things that are straight sugar, easy to burn, you know, easy to digest, going to get a big burst of insulin right out the gate. Um, candy, you know, uh, white rice, white bread, things like that, more refined sugars, those are going to be higher glycemic. Low glycemic are foods that have carbs, but they have less of an impact on your insulin. So things like sweet potatoes, brown rice, um, 
different types of fruits. Like an orange is high glycemic. It's very sweet, not a lot to it. But strawberries, which is mostly fiber, water, is lower glycemic because it takes longer for you to break down. So I would definitely dive into that, you know, Google around about that because it's a really interesting way to measure. Um, but always, no matter what, make sure you're adding a protein to that carb. Don't just straight up, even if it's an apple, you know, make sure you're having something like, it doesn't have to be a lot. It could be a couple of nuts. It could be a cup, piece of cheese, a baby bell cheese. It could be a piece of turkey, um, edamame, you know, for my plant-based peeps in here. So that's the first thing. Now, <clears throat> I wanna check this chat after, but um, how we reduce it. So how we reduce the carbs is, I, I recommend because we're going slow and steady, you take this in two steps. One, just kind of learn about what you tend to eat first. We've spent so long looking to run away from the mistakes we're making with dieting when really we're not stopping to just try and strategize and work with what we do. So instead of uprooting everything you know and telling you go eat this instead, I want you to learn about what you're eating and try to find the highest carb component of the meal that you're having. Then jot it down, you know, keep a running list of this and look to replace these highest carb components with anything that is any less carbs. It doesn't have to be low carb necessarily, but if, if this is your baby step, don't go overzealous, everybody wait to get here if you're not here yet. But if carbs are your baby step, you should replace the car highest carb component in the meal that you're eating with anything that's any less carbs. And I, and by the end of the day, you're going to be cut down already without having to sit there and think about it and feel like you're maxing out and all that. It's like reverse engineering. Okay. Then so that's the one thing, replace the highest carb component of the meals. Also, you can look for easy carb replacements, sugar. Sugar is gonna be a high carb thing on your, in your day. So if you can find a sugar-free replacement, and I'm not saying fruit, I'm saying literally go on nutrition.com or Amazon or Whole Foods these days, Target. There's so many different things out there. I just got, I got re-upped on Quest Frosted Cookies, you know, whatever. Find stuff that excites you that is sugar-free because then it's like, it doesn't feel like anything, you know, it's just, you're swapping that out. Boom. You cut back your carbs without having to sit and be picky and about grams. So let's see what else I have here. And then lastly, if you can't, if you can't replace it, cut it. So cut it down basically and add something to it that bulks it up. So you don't feel like you're going without, like if you want to have popcorn, um, do like half popcorn, half Vienna pups which are lower carb, um, do, what did I write here? Instead, you know, do one corn tortilla, regular corn tortilla, but then use a Tia Lupita corn, uh, corn tortilla for the other ones if you want more, you know? So it's kind of like you supplement that carb component if they're really, if you feel like there's no real replacement that you want at that moment. You can always split it and eat half now and half later on, you know, so that you can spread out how your insulin is gonna hit. Um, there's different ways to kind of play with it. All right. And now my biggest, biggest tip, I said this before with the sweets, think of vessels. My veterans in here, I've heard this before, but a vessel is a component of a meal that carries the flavor. It is like the pasta, the bread, you know, the basic, basically the carby components of a meal typically. 
So if you can think of replacements for vessels and make that your priority and just incorporate it into the rest of what you're eating, you're going to be cutting back carbs. You replace your sugar, you're going to be cutting back carbs. And that's the name of the game. Not having to think about it, enjoying what you're replacing with, and it just being at the end of the day, you're eating less carbs. All right, so I'm going to dive into this chat, but let me make sure I said everything on here. Nope, I think I got it all. Now, uh, by the way, also insulin resistance um, and, and just being on the cusp of that or having issues with, you know, not eating a lot of calories is a big one. If you don't eat enough calories, but you eat high carb, which is very easy to do, that all gets stored. Keep that in mind, okay? Because it's, it's very, very easy to do. Um, but that really, really impacts fertility. So unfortunately, I try, I try not to talk because fertility is such a broad topic that arguably I've had a lot of experience in, but I'm nowhere near an expert in the way I dive into other things. But from what I have seen, candidly speaking, like insulin resistance, getting through insulin resistance is a huge hurdle. It, it is not an easy hurdle whatsoever. Um, there is no shame in needing supplemental medication at any point, but it is doable to get to a point where you do not need it. And it is such a big hindrance, you know, to the fertility process as well, that if this is a big struggle, rather than feeling shame that holds you back from asking for help, nobody is, nobody's going to judge you here whatsoever. And everybody has the same goal here to get balanced, you know? So vocalize it, tell us if you're having a hard time, if you're feeling shame, if you don't know what the hell to replace, if you went to dinner and it was a worth it moment three nights in a row now, and you're like, you know, and you just don't know what to do. It's okay if it's one time, 10 times, 50 times, we're not here to lose weight in a certain time period. We're here to learn why our bodies work the way it works. So we have some hope of getting it into balance. So make sure, you know, you, you reach out and utilize that because we all want to get to the same place here and it is doable. Okay. <clears throat> Oh man, this is rough. Okay, let's see this chat. Um, I'm gonna answer the stuff in the chat and then I'm gonna hop off of here and then I'll be back on at nine for the KGG Zoom. If you're not in KGG, um, shoot me a text, okay? But those of you who will be tuning into the real estate Zoom after, I'll be back at nine. Okay, so let's see. Um, People will die on that hill who talk about calorie deficit and it's frustrating. It is so dumb. <laughs> I don't even try to argue with people anymore, truly. I, what has helped so much, knowing, knowing what I have come to know and still seeing so many people who are just so adamant that they're right, you know, and that, that they know everything. Talking about shit that failed me for so long, I used to take that personal and get so infuriated. But then I realized they're just jackasses. They don't know. And that's sad when you don't know something and you really think you do, right? So I feel bad for them. But um, yeah, if they ever had to learn how wrong they are, maybe I'd feel less bad for them. But you know, that would be a rude awakening. So I take that with a grain of salt. And just like I wouldn't trust someone being an expert in something that they don't like, someone who has never even touched a car telling me they're a mechanic. Like that's what I feel like when I hear somebody spouting off about something. I've been seeing this stupid shit recently about how fruit has no effect on insulin levels. I 
every time I see that, I have to comment because I'm like, are you kidding? Do you want the play-by-play -play of what happens to my blood sugars, how I have to take insulin, how you could literally eat fruit to recover from a low blood sugar? You know, it's just, there's all kinds of stupid shit on the internet. I don't know. Um, but calorie deficit is so stupid. Not that it doesn't work in theory, but it doesn't work for everyone. It's not the only weight loss mechanism out there. So I had a concussion that fully screwed up uh, that part of my brain several years ago. And you just explained why things went weird afterwards. Text me. I love a good connection. Love it. Um, not didn't love that you had a concussion, but I love the clarity that comes with connecting. Now, uh, like this week, I don't know, but I just feel like I'm eating a lot of carbs and this Zoom just hit like, bam, let's do this again. Get back up and you got this. Yeah, little steps, anything, any less carbs, doesn't have to be low carb, but little by little, just look to include more lower carb options. And it becomes about choice, it becomes about preference. You, you know, if you have like, I love my low carb gluten-free breads. I actually love them. I love it more than regular bread. You know why? because it doesn't make me feel like shit and I can eat as much of it as I want. And that to me, even, and, and with it tasting great too, it's just like, it's less thought. So it's like, why, you know, it, it becomes a no brainer. So absolutely. I'm, and I lose track too. I'll have to remind myself, like if I eat gluten-free pasta, because that's the easiest thing to find prepared around here, that's gluten-free and we don't have a freaking stove yet. So I'll be like, Oh, had this three nights in a row. You know, um, or I'll have to be like, okay, I'm going to take the grilled chicken out of the container and eat the pasta that came with it tomorrow for lunch, let's say instead, you know, so we, you'll always have to kind of just keep conscious of it. Um, but it's good to do these little like checkups, right? Because the other part of things becoming a lifestyle is autopilot. So I think sometimes weather and stress cause the cravings and hormones too. We got this though, super helpful. Yay. I'm so glad that it's helping. I feel guilty. I've been eating an apple with chocolate hummus. Ooh, I have not. I have never tried that chocolate hummus. Huh. Well, remember the good part, you said you feel guilty because you looked it up after you ate it. I don't want you to say no to yourself, right? The, the part of this, we got to go slow anyway. <clears throat> so the, the temptation may be that if I could just get this now, I would be so much closer to results. Nothing is going to make us really get results all that faster, right? So even if you were 100% on the ball, it would take a long ass time. So that being said, make it easier on yourself and be better prepared. Take a week where you just take notes. You just jot down like how much carbs was in stuff after you ate it. Who cares? And then you can go back and look at that for reference and find your replacements based on that. But you may eat the thing you know, in the, in pursuit of these substitutes for, you know, a week or two before it, it's okay. We got time. You can eat one thing and then be like, that's higher carb than it's worth. What can I get instead? And it could just be a constant evolution that way because life, you know, we have enough stress. So too much sugar and the hummus. Yeah. Also that's a good point, Jenna. What's your baby step? If it lines up with your baby step, then it's something to reflect on, but also beware if you're trying to do the most and it's not even an assigned baby step. I don't know if this is the case, um, Jacqueline, but I'm just saying in general, this reminded me. These baby step lessons, it's important that this is going to be used in the future. 
as we go and we, you know, suggest these baby steps, we can have these to reference. It's a good, you know, refresher for those who have had these before. But if you aren't at this baby step yet, just a reminder, don't load this onto your, you know, brain as well. We'll get there. Just focus on making the current baby steps you're, you're on solid first. Okay. Sorry. Just wanted to remind you of that. Um, Thanks, so. no, I'm not sure. Text me. Chocolate hummus. I'm amazed that I haven't tried this yet. I'm, I'm usually like pretty forward with the, like all the food stuff. Like I'm pretty adventurous. Um, Joseph chocolate hummus. I'm gonna look for it. Um, but yeah, you can make it, you can make different versions of it. You can maybe, maybe cut it with some sugar-free peanut butter if it ends up being too, like too much sugar so that it's not like before, cut it. Half of the amount that you usually would of the chocolate hummus, add some peanut butter to it or some cream cheese to it um, to bulk it up. Some sugar-free Cool Whip um, and, you know, anything that kind of cuts down the amount and gives you more. I do that with wine too. I like to do wine, like one glass of wine split into two and add seltzer or diet soda and make it a spritzer. Okay. Are almond flour tortillas considered high carb? Not generally, um, it depends on, if it's an almond flour tortilla, it's not, are you talking about the Siete one, Rachel? Because the Siete ones are pretty good and they're lower carb than the corn tortillas. Um, but I forgot, was it Tia? Let me get the tortilla that I mentioned before. Okay, so I got these. I'm really excited to experiment with when I have a counter. Well, I have a counter. When I don't have a construction zone and I feel like cleaning and chopping vegetables and making a pretty little spring roll. These are those like clear soy paper wraps. I love the texture because they're so chewy. And then these are the low carb tortillas I'm gonna be trying. I've heard nothing but good things. It's Tia Lupita, made from cactus and corn. Oh, I don't know. I will, but I've tried a few different ones. Um, crap, I forget the other one. I'm going to dig up the, the ones that I've tried in the past and post them. Um, I'm not sure the one answer, but the ones from Trader Joe are amazing. It's awesome. Yeah, there's a ton. There's a ton of different ones, you know, and maybe what you guys can do is when we post this recording, if you've tried some lower carb carb alternatives of things that you've really loved in the past. If you wouldn't mind commenting on the recording when we post it on the page, um, just, you know, we can maybe pick each other's brains and try some stuff. There's also in the classroom, there's bread recipes. All of those recipes, except the yeasted bread, which is like a modified version of my main bread recipes were created when I was recovering from neck surgery. <laughs> so if they look intimidating, when you're really doing them, they're easy. So let me know if you'd like to do that together on your next call and I can kind of walk you through it. Um, but there's the bread things and bread, I think, I think pasta as well in the classroom. There's my nutrition favorites listed in the classroom. They nutrition.com has a ton of stuff. Amazon.com. Let's try, you know, replacing and sharing with each other the ones we find that we, we like. And if you need any help, of course, text me, text your coach, and we'll get through it. So I hope this was helpful.
Um, I hope this was a good you know, refresher or maybe you learned something new. Definitely shoot me a text and let me know your thoughts. Um, and those in KGG, if you're gonna be on for the next call, I'll see you at nine. Okay.